What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Scott, back at you two days in a row, hitting you once, hitting you twice, coming out the gate hard on the new show, Rebunked. Super stoked about this one, you guys. So I'm super grateful for Sam uh, sitting down with me. You know, it was a great conversation. I know that he's just like, he's just getting over getting sick. He told me he did five, this is the fifth podcast that he did today. You know, it's just insane, man. Like nobody works harder than Sam in the business. I'm just super grateful for him taking the time to chat with me. Um, just a freaking legend, you guys. Please make sure you go samtriplee.com, support him, support his shows, all the projects he's got going on. It's just freaking amazing, man. Uh, super excited about what we got going on here, folks. I mean, we're off to a heck of a start. I got some awesome shows coming up here in the next week or two already lined up. So just please stay tuned. You're gonna be you're gonna be stoked. Um, you guys, so website set up, it's rebunked.news. That's right. Rebunked.news. Head over there to find all the different ways to follow the show. Um, there's some ways to support the show if you want, but I'm not even tripping on that. You guys just like, you know, tell your friends we got a new show in town rebunked. So yeah, yeah, super excited you guys. So without further ado, here's Mr. Sam Tripoli. All right, everybody here with me today is the man you know him he doesn't need any introduction man the content king you know tinfoil hat cash daddies union of the unwanted zero conspiracy social club broken simulation man it's just like i I can't even begin to describe how much this guy does for our community and for the truth truth in general so sam Tripoli, welcome to the show brother hi scott thank you for the kind words i am definitely an insane human being (laughs) I often say if I didn't have uh, a podcast, I would just be talking to myself. So uh, I'm very, uh, pre- I very much appreciate the kind words and thanks for having me on your new show. No, I appreciate it, man. It's, it's quite an honor. Uh, you know, you've inspired so much of my work over the years and it's just, uh, man, I just can't thank you enough. So are you feeling better? I know in your last episode you were, uh, yeah, my, yeah. I got baby AIDS from my kids. They gave <laughs> yeah. me full blown AIDS. Yeah, so now that I feel- happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like when you have a kid, you're just like, I'm not, I love you. I'm not afraid of your little baby cooties and you'll wipe their nose. And the next day you're like, oh my God, I have AIDS, bro. And so you live and you learn. I don't know. Those little bodies have powerful, you know, Mm -hmm. viruses and sickness and whatever you believe in. They, you know, which is a whole interesting story in that. But yeah, I'm feeling much better. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I was figuring like the super spreader event you guys had down in LA, I figured everybody's sick now because of that. Right. You know, it's so crazy, (laughs) man. I just go around and just every today I went into Ralph's to our Mm -hmm. local store and I didn't wear a mask. I just walked Mm -hmm. around and I, I, I didn't see the security guard to the end, but I was going to be like, dude, they just did a, a super bowl. Nobody had a mask on. Why are you having your mask on? Well, you know, it's just, it's the policy. No, no, dude, we're in California. They dropped it. Well, yeah. LA County, dude, they literally just had a Super Bowl. Like if it comes down to swinging, I'll put the mask on. But at the end of the day, it's like at some point we have to say enough with the chaos. Yeah. 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 And that's exactly what this show, you know, that's part of what this show is going to be all about is just highlighting, dude. Okay. It's over. It's over guys. It's been rebunked the whole thing. You try to debunk it for this whole time. And we're over here shouting at the top of our lungs. No, no, no. Look over here. And finally it's starting to come out. So we're going to be doing a lot of that. And, uh, but, but also, you know, like I was talking to Ryan about too, it's like, 
part of the awakening process. Part of the awakening process is I think we all kind of arrive at this place. We come out of the fog. We all come out and we start to look around at the world that is no longer what we thought it was. And and naturally, I think inevitably people lead you know, into this place where it's like, God, I got to like start improving my health and improving my life. And, and that's part of the awakening process too. So I feel like that's a big part of what I want to focus on in the show as well. And, and the reason why I really wanted to have you on too, is like this thing that's been kind of, I've been pondering a lot lately is just this overlap between what it's like to get clean and what it's like to, to wake up. And I see so many different parallels in that, you know what I mean? And, and the kind of the connotation there being like, I look at a lot of the people that are still trapped in the two-party illusion, the people that are trapped in, uh, you know, just being blue-pilled in general. I see those people as like people in active addiction in a lot of ways. Do you kind of, have you ever had that thought before? Brother, 100%. I mean, like, you know, I always talk about how, like, you know, we're getting clean. You know, I was sober for a long time. I was sober for about five years. Then I went 10 years where I just couldn't put a lot of time together. Yeah. And then here I am uh, today. It was, uh, is my 436 day. So, Ooh, you know, yeah. and you're not yes. really supposed to talk about it. And I get that because, yes. you know, if you relapse and they don't want you to look stupid, right. That's, sure. I never really understood till I understood, but for the sake of this argument, I'll, I'll get into it. And so, so, you know, I have, I have my daughters and I realize that it's no longer about me. And so I, I, I'm trying to get sober. I'm having issues in my personal life. It's like really beat me up. So, you know, and then this like this pandemic hits and it's just like so much chaos. So, you know, I, I'm doing Tim Fall Hat and I'm really like, really like going hard on it because I think people need it at that point. You know, it's like at the time I was doing like five days a week of premium content every day on Tim fall hat or excuse me, like seven days a week. And I think I took Sundays off, but every day it was like, here's a new thing. Cause I knew where they were getting bombarded. They need some. So anyways, I would start getting, I would have people like Von Gall on Tim fall hat, which was a spiritual podcast and people didn't want people were just like, dude, we don't want to hear about this woo woo shit. We want to get into the, like the, the conspiracies, man. But now they don't do that anymore. But back then I, I was like, okay, they don't want to hear spiritual stuff. And I'll get into this little lead into the spirituals. I mean, yeah. the sobriety. But um, so I started zero. I got asked to do a show on Rockfin. And they're like, just do something exclusive here. I'm like, okay, I've been wanting to do this spiritual show. It's weird to charge for it, but I'm kind of need the money mm-hmm. because I have kids. I'm just going to do that and just go with it. So I go on this kind of journey, right? And I start getting really super spiritual, learning about what's going on in the world and then getting super spiritual. So I'm learning what's going on and I'm learning how to deal with it. Right. So then I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting this running start back into sobriety. Like I never really leave. I just relapse and I slither back and I feel like a real piece of shit. And I just kind of get this running start because the things I'm learning in my spiritual podcast and on my spiritual show is directly the parallel to what I'm starting to hear in these AA meetings. Right. So it's like I'm hearing all this stuff about, you know, helping others, service, all this stuff that I'm hearing in my spiritual, my conspiracy world about, you know, uh, the the levels of spirituality, the energy, the archons, you know, the lizard people, the low frequency stuff. And I'm starting to hear all that. And it's like then I start to realize I'm on something. So. Yeah, you start hearing this kind of thing where it's it's also in the fact that, you know, when you stop using drugs, but in particular, when you stop drinking, 
you really pull yourself out a part of a part of the human just socializing rituals right i mean like you become you like you stop drinking dude you start seeing everything's an alcohol commercial everything is the mating between men and women involves so much alcohol and it's just you you start to see this stuff so the same thing when you you know you stop to you start getting into the conspiracies and what else Mm. is going on you start to pull yourself out of pop culture, yes. television, yes. you know, stupid YouTube videos. And you start seeing stuff different to the point where you can't watch, you know, mm-hmm. sports center and it's wokeness and all that stuff. So yeah, there's a long answer to a short question, which is, yeah, I totally see the parallels. Yeah, absolutely. It's like they say, uh, you know, there's nothing like having a head full of AA and a belly full of booze. It's the Best same thing, thing ever. Yeah. Like once you take the red pill, like you can't go back, you can't participate in it, but it's like, yeah, you know, we like I've gone back out before. Totally, man. Like actually, actually I just celebrated five years in December. So five years, dude, five years in December. And it's like, but yeah, that it took, it took many years of trying and, and trying to get clean. And then I get like a year and then dude, I just went on a mad run, dude, mad run from like 2013 to 16. And I ended up doing 14 months in state penitentiary dude on some theft charges and shit dude well that's the blessing because you know i I know it sounds crazy but the best thing ever is get a head full of aa yeah and then even if you do go out you'll never enjoy it exactly you'll never enjoy it you'll be miserable that you'll have this moment of like my whole thing was you know going fast right yeah yeah yeah. Yep, you'd have me too. this me- speed, right? You'd have this yeah. moment of like, ah, ah yeah. and you're like, oh, I ruined it all. And it's just misery from right there. It's like, now I got to start telling everybody I relapse. Now yeah, I got to yeah. start doing all this stuff. And like, for me, I have rituals in the morning every day. I write down what my, my what I'm thankful for, Yeah, what I'm, uh, my goals for today, intermediate and life. And uh, I, I'm working on changing my st- my things i'm into kabbalion right now really bad yeah. i'm like really into that and the whole notion of like everything is mental and then you start realizing like shifting your paradigms on how how you see the world right yeah. and all that because in the same thing when it comes to all this this coronavirus stuff or this yeah. conspiracies or politics or governments or false flags and all that stuff like if you don't see it you'll never see it but once you see it you can't unsee it and that's yeah. kind of where it goes. Once you get sobriety, once you aren't start working the steps, once you start doing all that stuff, then it's very hard to go back. It really is. It's really, it really is. And it's uncomfortable, man. And, you know, and so in a lot of ways, you know, that's, that's where a lot of, I mean, I, I've tried, I try to have compassion, right. For those that are still asleep, for those that are still, you know, under the spell and those that are very much aggressively attacking, you know, like we get, we get crazy. I've gotten crazy emails. I'm sure you know all about all the attacks, right. And so it's, it's a matter of like trying to have compassion to that. And then lately I've been kind of looking at it as, as a person who is like stuck in like alcoholism, right? Like you can, you can never go up to a drunk and tell him, Hey man, I think you should stop drinking, right? That's just going to go in one ear and out the other. And in fact, they're going to probably get pretty aggressive towards you, you know, because I've been that person, you know, I've been that person. My, my, my addiction, my alcoholism is going to protect itself at, 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 at all costs and it's going to lash out and it's going to be angry. Right. And so, yeah. so if you look at those that are still like, like one of your rules of the Ronin, right. You, you don't teach those that don't want to be taught. Yeah, right. Do not give knowledge to those who do not seek it. And exactly. That's a really good point, man. It's the exact same thing as like, we can't like, there's nothing I could say to a blue pill person that's going to get them to just snap out of it. Right. 
Yeah, but it's I also know. it's the attraction rather than promotion. So we can we can have a we can create a space for them as soon as they're ready. But until that day comes, there's nothing we can do for them. One hundred percent, dude. Yeah, one hundred percent. So like a, a while ago, a good friend of mine named Brett Ernst told me something. He's like, "Don't worry about the sheep. Wake up the sleeping lions." And I thought yeah. that was like, man, that's a really great thing. And then I realized, fuck the sleeping lions. Don't wake up anybody. Let yeah. them wake up themselves. And when you really start to get into this stuff, you realize that like the only way to change the world is to buy change yourself and lead by example. That is it. So like, I don't get in these arguments anymore. Like, okay. On, on Twitter, I like to curb stomp some people. <laughs> yeah. That mostly comes from the fact that comedy clubs got shut down and I couldn't go after hecklers anymore. So I kind of miss that, you know, verbal combat. But at the end of the day, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm done trying to convince anybody of anything. If at this point you don't see it, and it's not even their fault, man. I'm really starting to get into this stuff, dude. It's like so much of our problems right now are algorithms, dog. Yeah, These algorithms are making it so everybody has their own reality, and they're getting fed this this information that is suited to that reality. Yeah. And that's why you have these people with blue check marks on the farthest, farthest fringe. All right. Just talk about 800,000 people dead and the children in the, in the, dying in the, in the hospitals. And you're like, no, that's real. But the algorithm is telling them that. So they think it's real. And I came to this realization a couple like months ago. I was just looking at my Twitter and going, why am I agreeing with everybody on my Twitter? And that's where we're at. That's the real reason they hate Joe Rogan. Yeah. It's not because he's so popular. It's in my humble opinion, and that's some of it, but not for what people think. They, they're they mad that he's giving the same information to both sides, that, 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 that his demographic is the whole spectrum they've noticed. So there's no longer personalizing of information so we can never come to agreement. So now you got Joe Rogan reaching everybody. And now you're seeing Russell Brand, uh, Jimmy Dore, um, what Bill Maher, mm -hmm. uh, Joe Rogan, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, and, and all these other guys, uh, Gavin McGinnis, and all these mm -hmm. other guys from the spectrum of politics are all now saying the same thing. Because yeah. this dude got so big, they're all he's giving them all the same information. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and, and you know, that of course they're going to attack him, right? The way I see it, and, and to, to the trolls lately, what I've been saying is, like, they kind of remind me of, like, the, you know, the Japanese soldiers that were stranded on that desert island or 100%. on that island that, that fought the war long after it's over. I mean, that's, that's where we're at right now. It's like, whoa, didn't you get the memo, dude? This COVID thing, it's over, man. We're done. We're, we're, we're moving on. Like, we're ready to, to do climate change now, okay? Let's just do it. We know that's what you're going to do. Let's just do it, man. You know? Well, that's a, there's a lot with that as well. But, yeah. you know, we got Justice Sotomayor who blatantly went out and just spilled nothing but misinformation, got her dick kicked in about it. Oh, yeah. Because everyone's like, there's not that many dead kids. You're, you're totally BSing with you. And then she got the rule on another case that involved teachers. Okay. okay. So the most misinformed human being on the planet Okay, was allowed to rule on a case 
that goes directly against her misinformation, which was teachers unions in New York. Like you can say whatever you want about Joe Rogan. Sotomayor is the super dangerous. She's on our Supreme Court. She's full of misinformation. And again, it's not her fault. It's her algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's being fed misinformation. And now I don't know if you saw this, Scott, but the FDA and the CDC have now both come out and both said the PCR test that was used cannot tell you the difference between the coronavirus and the flu. And the FDA's uh, analysis went even farther with saying that the PCR test was never meant to test for COVID because it wasn't used for COVID ever. They never used COVID for it. It was always for the flu. So when people went and got tested, it was calibrated so high up, it could find little bit trace traces of the flu and you were told you had COVID. Yeah. So now we're getting into people. I get in arguments with people. I know I had, I know I have uh, COVID. I know, uh, now, yeah. dude, let's get in the fact that they've been spraying our uh, skies crazy. Yeah. With what? Yeah. What are they spraying it with? Stuff that's going to lower our immune systems, man. So we all run and get tested. And it was the first time ever that outside of AIDS tests, and then we could get into that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all this amazing, we've just cured it. So all this stuff's coming out about AIDS is like AIDS. You can get AIDS for this vaccine. And now suddenly we can cure AIDS. How mm -hmm. amazing is that? And how are we going to cure it? Oh, it's an mRNA vaccine, right? <laughs> you just pre-programmed everybody for it, man. Oh, God. It's unbelievable. But then yeah. you get into this stuff. It's like, it's like, what was HIV? Why did, mm -hmm. why did Magic Johnson survive? Did somebody pull him aside and go, get off that AZT? That's what's killing people. Yeah. When th there was a guy that shot himself up with uh, someone's blood that was HIV positive. He died of a heart attack a couple of years later. Didn't even get HIV from it. Wow. Never even got it. Yeah. Yeah. Murky waters for sure. And then of course now is like, you know, the, and then like, like the no agenda show, for example, like they've been like hitting the, the, the HIV AIDS thing for a while saying like, you know, why is this popping up all of a sudden? We're not sure what it is, but be on the lookout. And sure enough, now it's in the forefront of everything. And then, like, of course, Luke Montagnier, the guy who, uh, you know, discovered HIV back in the day, he just happened to pass away last week or the week before, right? Sure, he was an old man. Like, he was old. He's like 89 years old, granted, of course. But at the same time, you know, that's questionable. That's very questionable. It's the same thing with, like, Carrie Mullis, who passed away, like, right before this whole thing went but down. But the PCR man, like, test yeah. is the greatest example of how you should never trust anybody in authority yeah. blindly. Yeah. And it's like, they've made us lazy by fatten us, uh, fattening us up with shiny objects, yeah. cheap food, cheap cars, cheap everything, short attention spans to really make us like fucking soft. So we don't ever want to, because we're too busy doing the latest TikTok dance, yeah, yeah. trying to go fucking, you know? Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that take, that takes us right back to the whole idea of just like, you know, blue pilled and being an active addiction, right? We're looking, if you're still trapped in that, if you're still blue pill, taking the blue pill, then you're, you're still looking for 
validation and things outside yourself to, to fix whatever it is that's on the inside, right? Like you're still trapped in that paradigm, right? And, and now, man, like I... I don't know. I'm two years into this and like we, we, we started our, like a freedom cell back in 2020. We've just been getting totally like plugged into our community. Like we're trying to take action, you know, and, and same thing with recovery too. But you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, 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 I'm taking more action than that, man. I'm, I'm actually moving out of Oregon, man. I'm done. I'm done. Where are you and, moving and, to? So we're moving to Tennessee. A friend and I are moving I to a, Tennessee, uh, man. I have a bunch of people moved to Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're headed, man. And so it's just like taking individual responsibility. And then part of it too, for me, has been, uh, you know, our, our recovery community here has just been fractured. It's so sad, man. Like it's so sad. Like I, I had this like service position. I ended up quitting just because they wouldn't let me into the area meeting because I wouldn't wear a mask. Right. They've been doing it on zoom this whole time and they finally did in-person meetings, but they wouldn't let me in without a mask. I'm like, fine, I'm done. I quit. And I just, I'm well, like, you know, there's a rule when yeah. it comes to sobriety and yeah. that is, there's only one rule to be in the mm -hmm. meeting yep. and that is uh the desire, desire. to stay sober yeah. so here we are uh now um so here we are right yeah. yeah like people are breaking the rules yep they're making the rules to fit themselves yeah and you know like today like am i gonna have to shout at a security guard like, and then I go, what, what matters to me getting in a fist fight with a guy who just wants to keep his job. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, or do I just put on the mask and move on? And these yeah. little things are really hard, man. So it's like, what you're doing is, is 100% what you should do, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not your job to save everybody. And it sounds yeah, yeah. really crazy. And like, I get invited to all these marches all the time yeah. and I go, I'll know when the March, when it's time. Yeah. When it's really time to put our, 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 our boots on their necks, you know, this, all this pageantry doesn't mean nothing until we, until it's really time to go and yeah. it's coming, dude, it's, it's 100% coming and you have, listen, man, I'm all of what you're doing right there is, is what life is all about. And what yeah. I learned in recovery and I've learned in spirituality, which is nobody's coming to save you, right? hundred yeah, percent. Nobody's coming to save you. That's it. Right. Nobody, you have to save yourself, which gets into this thing where it's just like, I'm done. I like, I do a show Tim Foy because I like to learn and the blessings are, I can share what I'm learning with everybody and they can learn with me. And they tell me all the time about how much I've helped them change. And I tell them they've changed themselves by putting in the work and going, you know, working on themselves. So, uh, but I'm over the saving people game. Dude. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I only want no masks in schools because my kids are going to be at a time when they got to go. You want to mask up your kid? You want to do that to the most loving thing in your life? That's what you're going to do. I cannot save you. I cannot save you, dude. I cannot save you. You got to save yourself. And that's recovery, too. It's totally. like, dude, you either got to do it or you don't. And yeah. sometimes in recovery, it's in 24-hour increments, man. And like you have five years, but what you really have is 24 hours. Oh, 100%. And that's yeah. what, you know, for me too, dude, you know, I had five years before went out forever. Couldn't put more than a couple 24s together. Now it's 24 hours, yeah, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like I work on me all the time. And like, I get into this spirit, like everything I learned in, uh, you know, my show zero, I yeah. can go on to uh, uh, an AA meeting and talk about it and have it resonate with everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting because you talk about how you got out of control and you went to jail 
Yeah. And, you know, some people might be like, hey, man, that's like the worst thing that ever happened. And I go, well, that sounds like the universe giving you a warning, bro. Yeah. You know, because there's way worse that could happen. Oh, yeah. You could kill somebody or you could die. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, God forbid. And let's pray that never happens. But that's what the universe does, man. The universe warns you and then it shows you. And that's yeah. what I'm really getting into. Like, like a place for me right now, Scott, is that yeah. things don't happen to me. Things happen for me. Yeah. Things happen for me. So I always go, what is my role in this? Why is this happening? What is the lesson for me to learn? Now, I'm not, I don't walk on water. I could bring a parade of people to tell you how crazy I am. And I'm annoying as fuck. I make no illusions of being any kind of holy roller or anything like that. I got vices on top of vices that I'm yeah. like trying to deal with. But at the end of the day, it's like those little things of like, what's my role in this? All I have to do is be the best I can for the next 24 hours. Really helps take all the pressure out. And I also know there's entities of light all around me. And if I get really bad, I got to ask for these entities of light to help me through these moments. And these entities of light are, are in a battle for us, with us, against these low frequency demons that are out there that are trying to like bring humanity to its knees right now. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And and I think that, uh, you know, the fear component of all this is just so powerful, man. Like, like trapped in the blue pill, you know, it's just fear, fear, fear. Right. And, and it's just being driven by fear. And, and for, for us in recovery, we talk about like, you know, the opposite of that is now having, having faith, having faith in something. Right. And, and I've really kind of tried to embrace that and incorporate that into everything. Like, like, you know, I've struggled with some stuff recently, but what I've learned in recovery is that, Two things, two things, the two main things are like, dude, all, like no matter what, I just have to stay clean. Okay. Yeah. Now, as long as I stay clean and I just do the next right thing that's right in front of me, inevitably that's going to lead me down a path towards whatever the struggle is that I'm dealing with. It's going to resolve itself. Right. So it, it's just like, so that's where my faith comes from. My faith comes from the fact that whatever it is I'm struggling with, I'm not going to struggle with this, this particular thing forever. It's not going to be like a year from now, I'm going to be struggling with this same thing. I hope not. Or if not, maybe if it takes longer than a year to resolve, then it's not, you know, in five years, I'm not going to be dealing with this particular thing. They kind of come in waves the way I look at it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have to deal with this and then it's going to be gone. But my job is to stay clean. Right? So how do I do that? And so, you know, I have my tools that I use to do that, but, but doing the next right thing and then having faith, it's going to be all right. 100% of the time, it's going to be all right. Well, you know, here's my thing is I believe that a lot of us don't like to deal with problems. So yeah. we want to numb out yeah. because we just don't want to look at where we are in our life. But the problem is when you go out and you do all that stuff, those problems are still there. Yeah. They don't oh, yeah. go away. They just build up and build up and build up till it's a tsunami of bad energy and trouble and chaos that's you can't hold off anymore. So it's like, for me, it's like I get to deal with shit head on and resolve it to the best of my ability. Now, sometimes I do it with a fine scalpel and I'm able to do it sur surgical. And sometimes it's blunt force with just like a dull blade, but I try my hardest to do what's best and help others. I have, I have a couple of things I practice in my life yeah. that I talk about a lot, but they really have changed my life. And these are the four things I practice. I practice 
law of attraction Mm because everything is mental. Okay. Mm -hmm. I practice model of abundance, which is just give it away. Okay. We, we are raised from, we're very young to live in scarcity in fear. Uh, they, they, they leverage, uh, death. Okay. Against the scarcity of life. All right. And I don't believe in any of that. I think the more you give it away, the more it comes back to you. Okay. Then I do love thy neighbor, which is what a big part of recovery, which is find the similarities and, and don't look for the differences. And the final thing, which is very much in recovery, and it's in the everything that you do in your life, which is discipline. Discipline is the difference between the haves and the have nots. Okay. Yep. Those who put their fucking nose to the grind, ground and grind are the ones that make it every time. It's the difference between the haves and the have nots. The have nots just didn't commit to it and follow it to the end. And so like I've lost some weight lately yeah. and it's because I've been doing this intermittent fasting over and over again. So I'm doing 22s, right? 22 okay. hours. And I eat one time. I have like a two hour window every day I can eat. And, you know, I love fasting. I'm lucky because some people don't Now I have no interest in doing three days. Like I did before. It's just, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. It's too much for me. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not George St. Pierre. I could do two off <laughs> two days, but yeah. three days is just my body's like, why do you hate us? Mm-hmm. But it's like the 22 hours is the discipline of getting to the 22 hours is like, it's, it's more important than the not eating. It's that I, I control this very primal urge. I have to stuff my face with junk and not do it till I have this window, this two our window that I can eat and I try to eat sensibly. Obviously I don't want to go straight to, uh, you know, McDonald's for that two hours, but I try to eat sensibly and that's how I do. And it's all about discipline. dude. So those are the four things I practice. Yeah. I love that. And that's so powerful. Yeah. I I just on my to-do list to get into some sort of fasting regimen, but uh, yeah, I haven't quite gotten around that yet. So that's, that's, that's inspiring, man. I'm going to, I'm going to consider it. I'm telling you, bro, it's real hard. Yeah. Until you do That's it. That's good. And then it's the best. You'll be like, dude, I love this. So all it's left on my thing is pornography. And I'm going to cut that. I'm, I'm working on cutting that out. It's really just boredom. You know, it's there like, go. I've yeah, cut yeah. out booze. I've yep. cut out drugs. Now I'm cutting out eating. And it's like, I read as much as I can, but sometimes I, you know, I got this monkey in my head that just hitting symbols all day yeah, yeah. and I'm just bored. So yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, good. let's see what the latest porno. And it's just like bad energy. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm just done yeah. with it. And yeah. yeah, so that it's it's all about discipline, dude. Yeah, progress, not perfection. There you go. One hundred percent. Love that. Love 100%, that. One hundred percent, dude. I, so, I nothing's nothing is perfect, dude. Yeah, nothing. And I'm getting into a lot of this duality stuff, dude. The laws of the the universe and the Kabbalion and all the universe has duality, meaning all everybody has good and evil. And they use that against us. They make us believe in absolutes and they, we apply that to our leaders. So like our leaders are absolutely good. The the ones on our side and the other Mm -hmm. ones are absolutely bad. And each of them will do enough to piss off the other side. It's like religions, right? Like we have these religions where every one of these religions had a holy book inserted into it much later on in the religion, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, with Christians, it's the Bible, 
right, which was introduced much later on after Jesus, 400 years after Jesus. The Quran that they follow right now is well after Muhammad. Muhammad was a royal, okay? And then you have the Talmud, which comes way after um, uh, the, the, the what, are the, what is the religious, um, the Jewish book, um, not the, the other one, the... Torah, Kabbalah. The Torah, okay? Yeah. So the Torah is the old, the ancient, the, the older one, and the Talmud comes in, and yeah. it's totally different. And each one of these books has enough in it to get the other side pissed off, mm. the other religion. And that's done purposefully. That's done purposely to get us all to fight with each other. Yeah. So that's kind of what religion, uh, that's kind of what politics has gotten us into. And that's kind of like what I'm looking into is like, uh, you know, it's like duality is like, we all have good and quote unquote evil in us. I like to say light and a dark passenger. But yeah. what the really elites do, I mean, the, the enlightened do, is that they use the darkness to inspire their light. So like you, you like, and what we do with it, you know, recovery, right? Mm -hmm. We always go, Hey man, I was doing this, this, and this. Now I'm doing this and I'm living on a higher frequency. Right. Yeah. So, and like, when you go to a recovery meeting, you'll see a guy has 35 years and he's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm an alcoholic. You're like, well, you haven't drank in 35 years. You're like, yeah, but I'm always an alcoholic, which is, which is such a spiritual thing, man. Yeah. Because it's basically says you always have this dark passenger with you. Mm -hmm. You can never get rid of that dark passenger. That dark passenger is much a part of you as the light that you present to everybody, yeah. right? So we all have this. And these elites, these real elites, they abuse this. Mm -hmm. they, they try to make us think through drugs, alcohol, whatever, therapy. You could get rid of this dark passenger. You could never get rid of the dark pasture. And that's why they like, let's say they demonize sex. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they demonize sex. So, and sex is the one thing everybody does that if it, you do it just a little bit different, everyone's like, oh, dude, you're a weirdo, right? You like to have sex with sock puppets? You're a <laughs> fucking weirdo, right? Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. enough to make you hide that. Yeah. And what do we hear all the time in recovery? You're only as sick as your secrets. All of this is manufactured to control us through scarcity and not abundance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what do you think? I mean, it seems like, like that's such a, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like that's, that's where they keep people trapped. Right. And it seems like the left, the social justice warrior, it all kind of revolves around sex, right? It all it revolves around very base primal things. You know, we're over here trying to elevate, man. We're trying to break out of like, you know, like the penises and the vaginas and stuff, man. We're trying to get way up here, man. Come on. And then we're, we're stuck in this place where that's what it's all about. And, and, and the focus on that, it just seems like that's, that's such a huge psyop. You know, we say it all the time, man, love whoever you want. It's all good. We don't care. You know what I mean? As long, you know, just stay from the children, of course. Right. But like, yeah, that's dude, it. but dude, like, like, why does it have to all be about like your pee pee and your poo poo? Right. You know, <laughs> Yeah, well, that because they've done enough research into finding that certain things you can weaponize people about. Like, they don't want you to weaponize people about class wars because then yeah. the bottom will annihilate the top. So you got to break it down into even more stuff, which is race, religion, and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that's how they get you to all fight with each other, fight with people on your level. 
is by by teaming up into identity politics. And it's like it's very interesting because if you meet an older gay person and a younger gay person, they have two different vibes. Right. Because the older gay guy's been there and done that. It's like a straight guy. Right. It's like when you hit a certain age, sex it's it, it just like the power of the pussy goes away, right? It's just, it's not, you, you've done it. You're now you're focusing on taking care of your family, taking care of those around you. It's just not the same thing. It's just the, the cycle of life, right? Older gay guys, the same thing. It's like, yeah, they were into some uh, freaky gay shit. Now it's like, they just want to live their life and it, it doesn't define who they are. Young people, whether they're straight or gay, it's all they think about. I mean, like, Gay guys are just like hot chicks on TikTok where everything's about their tits and ass because they have a real fucking power with that because there's a lot of people who want that. So it's like it's like a way to uh, exert power. It's collateral. It's 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 uh, something you can barter and stuff like that. But in the end of the day, it's like if you really think about sex, it's like I don't care if you're a porn star. It's like how much actual sex are you having in the week? I guarantee you, you go to the store more than you have sex. You just it's mm-hmm. just like so. Why aren't you talking about like that's the whole thing I have with these young female comics. I like you can talk about everything you want on stage. I don't care, but I don't need fifty minutes on your pussy. Okay, it's like all you're talking about is your snatch, and it's real easy because girls think you're empowered, and guys just like, oh yeah, she's hot. So it's like phone sex for everybody. There's more to life than that. Yeah, they've weaponized it because you know porn hits the same endorphins, and sex hits the same endorphins as coke and anything else you can abuse. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, it kind of reminds me too. So, like, one of my favorite uh, sayings, like in the, in the basic text, I'm more of like an NA guy, you know what I'm saying? But uh, the basic text, it says, social acceptability does not equal recovery. So, that basically means that, you know, just because you got it all together, you got your car, you got your house, you got a job, you got a lady, and all outward appearances, you know, you're good, right? You're looking good, you're looking fresh, but. But your recovery is like in the toilet, right? And it's just boom, you go back out. So that reminds me, like, like in, in our world, it's like, like just because the outward appearances appears like everything's in order and everything's good. Like a lot of these people, with big platforms, right? Like maybe they aren't really the arbiters of truth that maybe we put them on the pedestal to be. You know what I'm saying? Like it seems like, like there's a lot there. Well, you know, one thing I've learned just one of the greatest lessons I ever learned, and it really changed my life, is like I got, I got in the recovery, like in my early thirties. And, um, so there was a lesson that really opened my mind and it was, uh, it was something as cliche, but you know, cliches are, are, are cliches because they're real. They happen a lot. And it's so something that I was told that really changed the way I look at the world was don't judge your insides by somebody's outsides. Yes. And it's like, there's never like very few statements will ever be more powerful than that because so much of us are lost in assuming someone else's happiness level. And I've just seen it happen. I mean, if just on a large Chris Farley was very much known as somebody who thought if he got famous, he would be really happy. And the truth is he wasn't. So he kept using drugs. And that's the whole thing is like, it's almost like a spiritual geographic, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, you're like making money, you're doing all this stuff, but you're still the same person. 
are you working on anything? And, you know, I've been blessed to do very well in life. I like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. By the end of the day, I will have done my fifth podcast today. Right? Oh, my God. And I appreciate it, Sam. You're the you man, know, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, I would help you anytime, Ugh. brother. I appreciate Ugh. you. And I, I love guys like you that I can help because, you know, I, I was like you at one point. Wasn't that long ago. And uh, it's always fun to help everybody elevate and then they can help others elevate. It's uh, abundance, right? So I, I'm, I appreciate you asking me to be one of the first on your show. So thank you. But it's like, I, um, I've been blessed to reap the reward. So a lot, you know, I'm getting like crap on the internet from certain people for just really crazy stuff that makes, yeah. isn't true at all and doesn't make yeah. any sense. And they don't understand the journey. I always say people like, even at my live shows, I go, you're, you're looking at me as this headliner in this A-list club. And you think that's always been the story. And the truth is, it hasn't been the story. I started comedy when I was 22 years old. I didn't start making real money in it, like real money, meaning that I didn't have to like worry about, do I need to get a day job now? Until I was 43 years old. That's 21 years of living check the check, hoping and praying, you know, and Dana, my girl, she, you know, I was blessed that like she came into my life and because she was learning how to be, she was a really big producer. She figured out ways that we could produce our shows and work on sponsors. She like came up really creative ways to generate money so we could, so we could, you know, survive. And then I get the show at the comedy store called Comedy Chaos, and that changes mm. my life. And I practice something that later on I would learn was the model of abundance, which is giving it away. The universe rewards you giving away. It's, you know, abundance happens when you have babies, right? You have children. Mm. Like I have a buddy of mine who's about to have a kid. And I told him, man, you're about to get some really baby magic happening because the universe rewards people who have children and take care of children because you're sacrificing for others. So at the, at the, at the uh, comedy chaos, like it was very weird. It was very, it's very weird to say you had something that was the number one on planet earth. Right. Yeah. And I had that at one time I had the number one showcase show in, in on planet earth. I had the number one show at the number one comedy club. We were selling the most tickets and we were selling the most booze. And, you know, truthfully, Sam comedy is just to sell booze. So that's the whole purpose. Yeah, sure. So sure. we were putting out great. We were, we were hitting the high, we were number one on everything at the number one club in the world. And the reason it worked is because people would show up. They would be treated like gold. They would get fat paychecks. They would get leave with a grip of weed. They knew they were being mm. positioned in a show after somebody that would help them shine to the best of my ability. At some point, you got nothing but like Rogan's, Bill Burr's, Joey Diaz's, Brian Callen's, like just killers. Like someone's got to file somebody and have to work at this point. But that, that show flourished because of uh, abundance and letting it go. So the, you know, long story short here is that like, you know, helping you, helping others, you, you know, the unwanted, all that stuff is like, I learned in comedy very early that groups rise, right? Like, yeah. like individuals don't rise. I've seen yeah. 
like three guys try to do on their own and they all crash and burn. You can get there. You can't stay there because right. Polarity, what goes up must come down. That is the universe. And if you're going down and nobody reaches their hands out to help you when you're sliding, you could slide into oblivion. And I've seen people do it. I've seen them treat people like shit. And when the bubble bursts and their balloon is falling, nobody reaches out to catch them. Mm -hmm. And now I root for those people to get their way up because they had to learn the lesson the hard way because the universe warns you and then shows you. So like, you know, not judging other people's outsides is I've seen people get everything they ever wanted and they're miserable as fuck. And especially in our society, we are really lectured by pill pop pill pilled out human beings right like just like we they're lecturing us about decency about being adults how we should treat people why they have to numb everything going on in their head because they're not living a proper life and you see it happen all the time so what you're going to do dude is you got to give it away and that's kind of what i practice in my life so that's the long story into like it's just like Dude, if you help others, the blessings will come. Yeah, exactly. And in recovery, we say you can only keep what you have by giving it away. And that's, you know, been my experience. Like, like I sponsor a couple guys, you know what I mean? And like those guys, like I've grown so much, like as a sponsor, like having worked with them and we sit down and we do steps and like, I, I get to see it from through their eyes, from their perspective and they make observations and I'm like, Oh shit, I didn't even look at it that way. You know what I mean? And so I've learned the value in that same thing where it's like, I get so much more out of giving away than, than they do by, you know what I mean? So that's, that's been a huge enlightenment for me. And like, that's kind of been something that we've always really hold on to as something that's important is like when a smaller, like a smaller show or like a brand new show reaches out to us, Hey, let's do a show. Like, hell yeah, let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's, that's a very, very important thing. Cause you guys like you and Ricky and Charlie, man, like, Oh my God, like you guys like really helped out my journey, our journey so much, man. It's well, freaking awesome. I, I would do it again a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. It's important. That's the key to everything is yeah. like helping others and elevate. And you know, when I got into the conspiracy business, there wasn't as many shows, And I, I, you know, I, I feel like there was this whole theory that like, you know, everybody was in competition and, you know, comedy had been like that for a little while. Like the, the teamwork of like, uh, first started out with the comedy store comics. We're all working together way back in like the seventies and eighties. And then in the nineties, it was the Def Jam comics. And then we started just going through all these cycles where it was like, it was female comedy. Then it was, uh, it was nerd. No, it went nerd comedy, female comedy. Now it's diversity comedy. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it's just groups and, so I had seen when comedy got into what I call its boxing phase, which is everybody for themselves. It was really in disarray and the bigger names weren't helping comics that they thought would come and take their place. And that's like the worst way to operate. Your whole thing is about to help those who you think should come up to your level. That's the key mm-hmm. to everything. That's, that's again, when what goes up, must come down. Right. And, uh, again, if you're not helping anybody on the way up, nobody's going to help you on the way down. So like that's key to everything. So I knew very early. So, so comedy starts 
the the swap cast. It was started by a guy named Doug Stanhope, who's like oh. one of the greatest comics of all time. He, he's, he, he was like, he's been like since I was like in high school. Like he was like my number one dude oh. ever. Legend, and dude. Here's the only th- the only thing that surpasses stand up comedy is what a wonderful dude that guy is. Like yeah. he's the nicest guy, and you meet him, and his his comedy is so dark that when oh, you yeah. meet him, you think he's fucking with you with how nice he is. He's yeah. literally the nicest dude. I like. Yeah. I get weirded out when we talk because I'm like I'm in like him and David Tell. Like I just I'm su- I, I'm such big fans of them there, yeah, yeah. and I just get uncomfortable with how how much I'm fanning out. So I got to act like I'm cool. Um, but they're the nice guys. So he started the Swap Cast, and that's where two podcasts would pull out one episode, and they would each put it out on their their uh, feeds. Yeah. And that kind of helped me because then me and Duncan Trussell, we both put out, we did a swap cast together and that really helped grow stuff. And so working together, I always knew it was about working together. And I was very blessed. You know, my best friend for a long time was Eddie Bravo. Mm -hmm. And like outside of Alex Jones, he was, uh, you know, he's like, like top, he's like, it's like, he's in the t- Mount Rushmore. I think if oh, yeah. you'd have to talk conspiracy theorists, it would be like David Ike, Alex Jones, Eddie Bravo. And then there would be debates on who the next one would be. But, yep. you know, I'm blessed. You know, we're good friends. We tour together. I, I, that never like gets lost on me. So I'm very lucky. So I in turn like to spread and help other people with my tiny, my tiny following. But it's like, I think it's bigger than they let me know. Yeah. I just keep hearing crazy stuff. Like people, some woman told me their kid listened to me all day before he went to his five, his fifth grade class. I'm like, I I don't know if that's good (laughs) or bad, but thank you. And that kid's going to be woke as fuck. And, but I think we're reaching a lot of people and, you know, off air, I'll give you some advice that I think is important that we'll keep between ourselves. But yeah, man, I think it's about all help about helping others. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Wow. So I know, let's see, I'm going to probably put this episode out the same day you're doing your uh, show in Vegas. Like, are you excited about that? I love Brian Callen so much. I know people in the truth community have this real issue with them, but it's <laughs> like, I like a big thing for me, dude, is like, I am not here just to talk to people I agree with. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's one thing I'll tell you right now. Like, I would love if I had more people in my life that didn't agree with me, but we're just going through this kind of period where everybody's identity politics and everybody has to be on teams. And it's not really me. I love everybody. I'm, I'm a sensitive guy. Sometimes I get my feelings hurt early, easy, uh, but I love everybody. Some people think I'm a little crazy and a little <laughs> out there. You know, I am in Hollywood. So like people think I'm a nuts guy. And I'm okay with that. Some of them are worried about the brand. I'm okay with that. I just would hope that now everything's starting to come back that, you know, they'll, they'll let Rudolph play in the reindeer games a little bit more. And and that's not, I don't really have any interest in doing anything in Hollywood uh, outside of producing my own stuff through independent companies, but I have no desire to be on TV or in move in, in like studio movies. That's what I'm talking about. But just like, phone calls from old friends and stuff like that, that that's kind of, I know everybody's living in their own life and I don't think it's malicious. I think all my friends had a bunch of kids and like, when you have kids, it's kind of your life right there at that point. And, but you know, I hope, I hope, I hope that goes back, but going back to Brian is that 
I love this dude so much. Yeah. And like he gets so much shit on Conspiracy Social Club and he loves it because he thinks he's the heel. But, you know, he is such a good guy and this whole idea that he's like this fucking insider or crazy person. Like it's it's not him. He is such a people pleaser to a fault. Like he'll go he goes over the top, bends over backwards to make sure everybody's happy. And sometimes it gets him in a little in, in trouble in terms of stances he takes. Right. Like in terms of like when we had the trans comedian on mm-hmm. and he was like, Oh, I, I feel your thing. And like, he just wants to love everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and it gets him in trouble. Sometimes he's sure. a re like, dude, there's no nicer person than Brian Callen. And, you know, it's no secret the show came out of when he was going through some stuff. And I got a call and it was like, I didn't even know what we were going to do. But I was like, yeah, I'll do a show with Brian because I knew what was going on. And like, that's kind of when you're supposed to run and help your friends. Because, you know, when my kids were being born, you know, he came up to me. He's like, hey, dude, if you need blah, blah, blah amount of cash, I'll give it to you, dude, just to help you get through if you have to. And like, I was doing very well. But that always resonated with me about like what a good guy that guy was. And it just wasn't that we had turned toward the world together. And like, I just got the no Brian, like a great example of like how n- wonderful and energetic Brian is like, we did a USO and we were going to stopping in Kazakhstan and we did this mm. straight flight and everybody, it was myself, Steve Byrne, Doug, Dove David off and Brian Callen. And we landed and we were so exhausted, but Brian just kicked into gear and every room he walked into, he entertained everybody to the point when I introduced him on stage, the entire base gave him a standing O walking out. And I'm like, that's the, that's the energy that guy has that people in war areas appreciate it. And he's just a loving dude. So uh, to answer your question, I am so excited oh, yeah. to do a show with Brian Callen. And, you know, Brian does really well on the road and our mm-hmm. our tickets are selling really well. And, you know, he's going to take a pay cut because he's cut me in on it. And I love him, dude. And it's just like, I just want to have sh- do fun shows with him and hang out with him. And like, dude, I'm being honest with you. Brian Callen does not get the the credit he deserves for how funny to do. There's nobody yeah. like Brian Callen. There's nobody. He's the most original comic. Nobody can talk about their body for an hour like this guy can. <laughs> and he crushes it. And it, so I get kind of sad when I see some of the really brutal comments on him because I don't think they understand the theater that Brian is doing. Yeah, totally. But he's a great guy. So I'm very excited to be in Vegas with Brian. That's awesome. And then, and then as far as the pay-per-view thing, I know you keep talking about that. Is that going to be like a Rockfin pay-per-view thing? Well, or? we were going to do it, but it's just yeah. like this, this kind of like Brian just had his baby. Things got oh, all that, worked yeah, out. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to do pay-per-view, but that's kind of the goal, man. Do like a yeah, yeah. small ticket admission pay-per-view so people who can't make it there yeah. uh, can make it. A lot of people think like, oh, you know, if you do pay-per-view, no one's going to show up live. And I'm like, nothing beats live. Yeah, totally. Nothing. 100%. Maybe NFL, right? But yeah. comedy, yeah. Rest, whether it's Thai boxing, boxing, UFC, nothing's better than live. So, you know, and I hope that all you guys, when you guys grow your bases and stuff like that, yeah. that you guys can uh, get your following going. Oh, yeah. And and uh, be able to go out and do no matter how big it is, whether, you know, dude, I used to go on the road and get 
lucky if I got 30 people to come see me, but sure. I still rock them, dude. So, yeah. you know, everything is like baby steps and incremental. And, you know, I think great things are going to happen for you and your show. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Well, Sam, dude, oh, five shows, five shows in, dude. I just really appreciate you taking the time. So plug, plug everything, man. What do you got? Well, you know, I got a, I got a website called samtriply.com. It's all Damn. your one-stop shop for everything you need at Sam Tripoli. If you want to get my premium content, you can click banners to take you to all three of my shows on rockfin.com, uh, my Zero Conspiracy Social Club, and Tim Fall Hat Premium. Uh, I, have a, I have seven free podcasts that you could listen to. Uh, Tim Fall Hat, Broken Sim, Conspiracy Social Club, Union of the Unwanted, punch drunk sports zero and yeah so those are there and like each one of them has a specific thing to them so you it caters to what you want to listen to i also have free uh uh, 24-hour radio station you can listen to me as much as you want every different show you want and uh finally it's just like my tour dates are all there and Mm -hmm. the hammer of the gods tour is kicking off New Orleans is a little slow but the rest of the other two dates are great and no matter how many people show up I'm going to drop. I once watched the legendary Paul Mooney rock two people in the <laughs> OR for 45 minutes. After I saw that, I'm like, we can all do this. So yeah, man, right. I hope you can come see me live. Sam for all my ticket needs. Awesome. Yeah. Well, come on, New Orleans, get in gear guys. And Sam, I hope to see you out there. I don't know if I'm going to be in the Pacific Northwest or kind of out in Tennessee land when you're swinging through, but man, I hope to see you live we'll here. Soon, so. bro. We'll yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. And good luck on your show. Congratulations. <sighs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It means a lot, brother. So, all right, Sam. Have- Thank you, brother. Thank you so much.